Life's going okay. You go to church. Your relationships are relatively healthy. You're happy overall. But really, why settle for just okay? Jesus came so you might have life and have it to the full. There's so much more of God's goodness to taste and see. You only get one life. Live well. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. It's really good to have you at our campuses and watching online as well. We are in the middle of a series called Live Well, where we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. And I want to begin today by asking you a question. When you think of the Ten Commandments, what picture pops into your head? What I mean is, when you hear someone say Ten Commandments, what image or impression of God comes to your mind? I've brought a few props in to help you answer that question. I saw Pastor Stephen Furtick use these a while back, and so maybe you can relate to one of them. But this first prop is that book of documents that you get when you purchase a house. I don't even really know what this thing is called. But when you purchase a house, you sign all these papers, and you have no idea what you've just signed. You hope you never have to find out what you just signed. But there's all these rules and regulations. There's all this fine print. And so maybe that's what you think of when you think of the Ten Commandments. You think rules, regulations, restrictions may apply. I thought I could use my frequent flyer miles to fly anywhere I wanted to, but look at the fine print. Apparently I can only fly from Minneapolis to Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> By the way, the people of Minot have a slogan, Why Not Minot? I can think of a lot of reasons not to fly to Minot, but... You get the idea that that's what the Ten Commandments is all about. It's about rules and regulations. Yeah, God says he wants the best for our life. He says he wants us to live well, but you better check the fine print because restrictions may apply. Another prop that maybe you can relate to is this is a kid leash. I know technically it's a child harness, but we all know what this is. <laughs> this is a leash for your demonic child, okay? And I used to make fun of these, but then I had my own kids, and at times I think, you know what, might come in kind of handy. Here's a picture of some parents with their kids on a leash. <laughs> How would you like to be traveling next to that lady, huh? You don't want to sit next to her on the plane flight. Here's another one. Put the kid on a leash, carry the dog. <laughs> I mean, you, just, you can't make this up. But maybe that's what you think of when you think of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you think, you know, it's like a leash. God is trying to restrict me from all the fun things that I could be doing. Here's a final prop that maybe you'll relate to. This is one of my kids' Hulk gloves. Some of us grew up in a church where the pastor spoke like he had Hulk gloves on. You know, get them down, beat them up, condemn them till they tap out. Okay, I'll accept Jesus, you know. <laughs> and so when you think of the Ten Commandments, that's kind of what you think of. You think that God's there going, you know, do these 10 things or else I'm going to give you an eternal beatdown. What's interesting when you look at the Ten Commandments is the context. You see, usually we just pull the Ten Commandments out and we focus on the thou shall nots. But look at what Moses says to the Israelites right after he gets done giving them 
the Ten Commandments. He says this in Deuteronomy 5. He says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. So he does want us to obey these commands. But then he says, so that you may live well and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. God did not give us the Ten Commandments to rein you in, beat you down, restrict your fun, or catch you in the fine print. God gave us the Ten Commandments because he wants us to live well. God says, go ahead, live however you want to live, but just know this. I want you to live well. I want you to live a long and prosperous kind of life, and so I'm giving you these Ten Commandments to obey. But even still, there's something inside every human being that tends to focus on what we can't do instead of what we can. Have you ever noticed this? I mean, if you tell your kids that they can play anywhere they want in the house except the living room, your precious vase in the living room is as good as broken because that is exactly where they're going to want to play. And this mindset goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3.1, Satan begins to tempt Adam and Eve. And he starts by getting them to focus not on what God had given to them, paradise, Garden of Eden, each other, but instead he gets them to focus on the one tree that they were forbidden to eat from. And then Satan's like, you know, God's holding out on you. God doesn't want the best for your life. He doesn't want you to live well. He's trying to hold you back. He's trying to restrict you. And ever since that time, human beings have had a default button that tends to distrust that God wants the best for our life. A default button that tends to focus on what we can't have instead of what we can. In fact, some of us grew up where this was our view of God. It was all about what we couldn't do, where we couldn't go, who we couldn't hang out with. It was all about rules and religion. And so when you went off to college, you thought, you know, I don't like those rules anymore. And therefore, I guess I don't like God. Sadly, America today is filled with people who walked away from their faith in Christ, never to come back because they thought that God was only about rules. I want you to hear today that God wants you to live well. With that as the backdrop, let's take a look at the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is this, honor your father and mother... Then you will live a long and full life in the land that your God is giving you. This is the only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise. He says, if you do this, if you honor your father and mother, you will live a long and prosperous kind of life. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to live to 80 years old, guaranteed, if you honor your parents? No, I don't, I don't think that's what it means. One possible interpretation is that it refers to the legacy that gets left in a family that honors their parents. You honor your father, and your kids will see that and hopefully reciprocate one day and honor you as well. Another possible interpretation is that it does refer to physical longevity. Conflict with parents is shown by studies to be one of the most number one stressors in people's lives. And stress leads to shorter lifespans. Whatever the promise is, it gets picked up again in the New Testament. Paul writes this in Ephesians 6. He says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. 
Then he quotes the fifth commandment. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. Now, notice that it doesn't say honor your father or your mother. You don't get to pick which one you like best and then dishonor the other one. There's no opt-out clause here. There's no footnote or fine print. He simply says, honor your father and mother. If you would, for just a moment, picture your mom and your dad in your mind. Just for a moment, get a picture of your mom and your dad. For many of you, that exercise brings a smile to your face. You've got a great relationship with your parents. You love them. And so to think about honoring them is relatively easy for you. But for others of you, not so much. Your parents have hurt you deeply. Your life has been devastated by it. You were physically abused. You were verbally abused. Maybe your parents were frequently angry, had a toxic tongue that would just cut you down and discourage you. They were manipulative. They rarely apologized for their actions. And your life today has been marked by that. If that's you, I want you to know two things today. First of all, I want you to know that God himself is your father. One of my best friends had his father leave their family when he was in college. And I'll tell you, I can't think of anything that causes more pain to a family and causes kids to doubt their self-worth in life more than that. And so maybe you hear a verse like this, honor your mother, honor your father, and you think to yourself, honor my father? I don't have a father. But you do. Psalm 68, verse 5, says that God is a father to the fatherless. If Father's Day is a day of pain for you, if you don't have much of a relationship with your dad or don't know your dad or if your dad has passed away, you need to know this. God himself will be your father. You say, but yeah, isn't he everyone's father? Yeah, yes, he is to a certain extent. But the Bible makes it very clear that God has a special affection and care for those that don't have an earthly parent. He picks up the mantle and becomes the parent you always wished that you had. But secondly, if your parents have hurt you deeply... If possible, live at peace with them. If possible, reconcile with them. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. It says, if it's possible, okay, as far as it depends on you, he writes, live at peace with everyone. Paul says, as far as it depends on you. You say, my parents and I, we haven't talked in years. Well, in that case, somebody needs to take the first step. And as a follower of Christ, that person ought to be you. If your parents reject your attempts, well, then that's fine. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your parents. But still, this raises an important question. How do you, dis how do you honor a dishonorable parent? I mean, how do you honor a truly dishonorable parent? How do you honor someone who has hurt you so badly? I don't know that I have the perfect answer for that, but let me begin by saying what honor your father and mother doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you ignore or deny the past. It doesn't mean that you continue to expose yourself to hurtful or harmful behavior today. It doesn't even mean you have much of a relationship with your parents. You can't have much of a relationship with a truly dishonorable kind of parent. 
You may need to set up some limits and boundaries on that relationship. You may not even see them or speak to them for a period of time. But even in those cases, you can still honor your mother and father. The Hebrew word used for honor literally means to put a heavy weight or emphasis on. In other words, what's one thing that your parents did well, and how could you lay a heavy weight or emphasis on that? In fact, let me ask you, what is one thing that your parents did well? I mean, most likely there's many things, but what's one thing that they did well, and how could you lay a heavy weight or emphasis on that? Ever since Sigmund Freud, many therapists and counselors have recommended that we focus on what our parents didn't do well and how they negatively influenced our lives. And I'm not dismissing those exercises, but what about the opposite? What about how our parents positively influenced our life and the things that they did well? Have you ever told them those things? You see, there's no age restriction on this verse. It doesn't say, little kids, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, teenagers, come on, honor your father and mother. It simply says, honor your father and mother. Even as an adult, this verse applies to us. You never outgrow this command. But having said that, how you honor your parents will change as you age. And so let me show you three stages of life and how you can honor your parents in each of those stages. The first one is this. As a child, as a kid... I honor my parents by obeying them. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Why do you think that pleases God? That kids would obey their parents? I mean, why does God even care about that? Well, if kids can't learn to obey their parents at an early age, how will they ever learn to obey God as they get older? If kids don't learn how to honor and respect their parents early on, it will be harder for them to honor and respect God as they grow older. This is why the Bible says that as long as you live in your parents' house, you are to obey them. Now, as you grow into adulthood and you move out on your own, that's a different story. If your mom is still trying to tell you what color to paint your living room, and you feel guilty and disobedient, painting it a different color. Lord, help you, okay? (laughs) You need to be set free from that today. But as long as you are dependent on them, the Bible says to obey them. This past year, I coached my nine-year-old son Micah's baseball team, and going into our last game, we were undefeated. In fact, the league that we were in had a website that showed you what your record was, how many runs your team had scored, and how many runs had been scored against you. Our team was 8-0 going into the last game, and we had outscored our opponents 42-4. Our opponent for the last game was 1-6, and they had been outscored something like 39-8. I thought, oh, we're going to kill these guys. So I canceled practice that week. We lost three to two. As the game ended, my son Micah turned to me and he said, did we just lose? I said, yeah. He takes his bat, he throws it down, and instantly he is just a mess. And I'm trying to do everything I can as a parent to calm him down. 
I started with gentle encouragement. You know, deep breath. It's okay. It's just one game. We're going to be fine. Then it moved on to threats. You just wait till we get to the car. The consequence you were going to get. I was pretty close to just outright shaming. You know, you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing me kind of thing. Finally, after we shook hands with the other team, I gathered our team up in a circle. Two-thirds of the kids on our team just wanted to know what we were having for snack. I mean, I don't, I don't even think they knew we lost the game. But I started out and I said, you know, this one game doesn't change anything about our season. We lost to a good team today. Micah fires in. They're the worst team in the league. They've been outscored 39 to 8. And he quotes the exact number that this other team had been outscored by. I thought, I've created a monster here. This kid's like Rain Man with his statistics. <laughs> but I asked him several times to obey, and he couldn't do it. Now, on the one hand, I understand. Truth be told, I was pretty upset myself, and I'm 36 years old. So that's a lot emotionally for a nine-year-old to handle. But later, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if I allow him to be a poor loser, and that there's no consequence for behaving that way, I'm not doing him any favors later in life. Parents, if you allow your kids to disobey without consequence, you're not doing them any favors. If you frequently make threats like, well, if you do that one more time, well, then I'm going, and then you don't follow through on that, your kids are going to pick up on that pretty quick. And if they can't learn to obey you, how will they learn to obey God? If they can't learn to honor and respect you, it will be challenging to honor and respect God. Now, I'm not talking about a domineering, you know, as long as you live under my roof kind of attitude. You can do this with a gentle and loving spirit. But look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. He says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And all the parents said, amen. So glad I came to church today to see that. Now, if you're under the age of 13, let me speak directly to you for just a moment. If you obey your parents the first time, not the fifth time after they finally lose it and yell, but the first time, your life will go better. It really will. And then around our house, we add the little phrase, and with a happy heart. Because attitude counts. When I ask you to pick up your toys, what I'm not looking for is, whatever, okay. Not really what I had in mind, okay? All right, next stage. As a teenager, I honor my parents by respecting them. We live in a culture today that many people believe has lost its sense of honor. If you don't believe me on this, just go on KDWB and try finding a song that talks about honoring your parents. I mean, it's almost laughable. You'd never find a song like that. Try going on any preteen or teen magazine and finding an article about respecting your parents. I'll save you the time. Seventeen Magazine is still the number one most popular teenage magazine. I looked at the cover of Seventeen Magazine for the last two years. Now, maybe I missed it, but I did not find one article about honoring your parents, respecting your parents, turning to your parents for advice, 
or even having a good relationship with your parents. I mean, let's be honest. We live in a culture that struggles to honor authority figures. Parents, teachers, coaches, older adults. I was driving behind a bus recently of what looked to be third graders. And the kids in the back of the bus were doing what kids in the back of the bus always do, making faces, you know, peace, dude, you know, to me. And I'm kind of playing along. I'm making faces and waving at them. When all of a sudden, one of the kids flips me the bird for no reason. And I thought to myself, I wonder if 50 years ago, any kid would have dared do that to an older adult. Teenagers, if you want to rebel, you don't have to dress in black, get a tat, or listen to some unknown indie band. Honor your father and mother. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> right? You will be a complete rebel if you do that. If you have character, if you have self-control and you obey with a good attitude, you will be set apart. Now, parents, we have to model this. What happens when dad speaks to mom like she's one of the kids, talks down to her, or constantly criticizes her? Are those kids going to grow to honor their mother? Most likely they will not. What happens when mom frequently treats dad like he's a fool? There <laughs> goes your dad again. Look at your dad. And constantly disrespects him in front of the kids. Will those kids grow to honor their father? Most likely they won't. Parents, let me ask you, how could you begin to honor your spouse in front of your kids this week? I love it when I see a mom who says to her kids, look at your dad. Look how hard he works for you. Look at how much he plays with you. Most kids don't have a dad who does that. You are so lucky. I love it when I see a dad who says, look at your mom and how she serves you and how she cares for you and how gentle and compassionate she is towards you. You are so lucky to have her as your mom. You do that and you start creating a culture of honor in your house. And then you've got to teach your kids how to honor you. Because we don't naturally know how to do this. Again, I think encouragement works the best. If your teenager picks up after themselves without being asked, if they tell you they love you or hug you, if they obey you without an attitude, you ought to be pouring on the encouragement for that. You ought to be saying, I feel so honored as a parent when you treat me that way. Now, before I leave this point, let me speak directly to the teenagers for a moment. When I was a teenager, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't read the Bible, and so I didn't know this commandment. And so when I went off to college and I learned this, I ended up writing my parents at least two birthday cards, apologizing to them for my attitude as a teenager. I felt so guilty about how I had treated them growing up. Part of it was me. I would sulk when I wouldn't get my way. I would foolishly argue everything. I remember one time, there was a huge blizzard. And I wanted to go over to one of my friend's house just to play video games or something. And my dad said, no, you're not driving over there in this storm. And I just went off. I was like, how could you? Everyone's going over to Berg's house. I can't stand you. You're the worst parent. A few months later, 
there was another blizzard. And this time I had to get to work. And my dad very reluctantly allowed me to drive to work, but he pulled me aside and even more so than normal said, drive slow, please drive careful. Now you got to know, I think today that my parents are some of the wisest people that I know, but back then I was way smarter than they were. (laughs) And so I thought, there's no way I'm going to drive slow. And so I didn't. Right up until my car started spinning around in a circle right in the middle of the road, my back end hit a snowbank, flipped over the snowbank, and my car flipped over itself three times down this snowbank. The first time that I'm upside down, I'm in complete shock. Then as the car flipped over a second time, I was just grateful to be alive. The third time my car flipped over, I thought, I should have listened to my dad. (laughs) Should have driven a little bit slower. Teenagers, this may surprise you, but your parents may not be as dumb as you think that they are. And just like God gives us commandments because he wants us to live well, God gives us commandments, or our parents rather, give us commandments because they want you to live well. They want you to live a long and prosperous kind of life. In fact, I think the number one sign of maturity in any teenager's life is being okay with a no. Can you be okay with a no? I mean, if you ask to go to a sleepover or a party at your friend's house or to take the car, and for whatever reason your parents say no, can you be okay with that? Or is every time you hear that word, it's just this big emotional explosion? You show me a teenager who's okay with a no, and I will show you a teenager who's on their way to maturity. I knew that I had matured when there was a big snowstorm, and I asked my dad if I could drive, and he said, no. And I said, you're probably right. I knew I was on my way to maturity at that point. Now, parents, if you could just tune out for a second, if you're not already, I want to give a secret to the teenagers. If you obey your parents, if you respect them and have a good attitude, you are more likely to get what you want. You are. Your parents are soft. They will just cave at your good attitude. I'm telling you, if you do this, you are more likely to get what you want. Just think about that, okay? Next stage. As an adult, I honor my parents by appreciating and caring for them. As Jesus hung on the cross, he looks down and he sees his mom. Look at what it says happens next. It says, when Jesus saw his mother standing beside the disciple he loved, that was John, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, again, John, took her into his home. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, spitting blood, lungs collapsing, about to bear the weight of every sin ever committed upon his soul. He looks down and he sees his mom. And he uses one of his last bits of breath and energy to make sure that she was cared for. He says to John, she is your mother. Essentially saying, will you please take care of her? And John did. As an adult, you honor your father and mother by appreciating them and caring for them. Now, that may feel a little bit strange because we're used to it being the other way around. 
We're used to them caring for us. But look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. How do little kids tend to speak? Give me what I want. That's not fair. When's it going to be my turn? How do they tend to think? How come we always get to do what she wants to do? How come we never do what I want to do? How do little kids tend to reason? How can I get another cookie? I wonder what I'm going to get for my birthday next year. It's only 363 days away. I mean, that's how little kids tend to speak, think, and reason. Everything revolves around them. Some adults, when they get around their parents, it's like they revert back to being a little kid again. I mean, they can be so mature in their relations with other people, but get them around their parents, and they're like, how come you spend more time with her than you do with me? That's not what I wanted for Christmas. My wife said that last one sounded like me, and she's right. I'm an only child. I can't help it. But <laughs> Paul says, when I was a little kid, I spoke, I thought, I reasoned like a kid. But then when I became an adult, I put away childish things. When it comes to honoring your parents, putting away childish things means seeing them from an adult perspective. It means considering their feelings and not just your own. Several years ago, I heard author Dennis Rainey on the radio talking about his book, The Tribute. And Rainey says that most adults give their parents these incredible tributes at their funeral. But while their parents are alive and actually able to hear these words of appreciation, we withhold. Rainey recommends writing what he calls a living tribute. Tell your parents today, while they're still alive, what you love about them what you appreciate about them, and how you notice that their sacrifices have helped you have a better life. I showed this video about a year ago, so many of you have seen it, but it fits so well here, I wanted to show it again. Two years ago, Kevin Durant won the Most Valuable Player Award in the NBA, and at his acceptance speech, he honored his mother. He gave her a living tribute like few that I have ever seen. Take a look at the side screens. Your parents gave you life. They put a roof over your head. They put food in your stomach. They cared for you when you were sick. They encouraged you when you were down. They set aside some of their own dreams and aspirations so that they could raise you to put you through activities and school and get you clothes. They put up with your hormonal years. They forgave. They loved, honor them. What if all of us wrote a living tribute to our parents this week? You don't have to lie. You don't have to pretend. But what's one thing that they did well and then lay a heavy weight or emphasis on that? My wife and I did this for both of our parents years ago. We typed up a one-page tribute and we had it framed. And then we gave it to them for Christmas. My dad has his sitting next to the chair that he reads in and watches TV in at night. If he ever wants to know what his son thinks about him, he can just look at that tribute. Now, you don't have to write something. You can make a phone call this week. Just check it in. How are you doing? Just want to let you know I love you and appreciate you. Send a text message. Even if your parents have passed away, just spend a moment praying and talking to God this week and thanking him for the parents that he gave you.
God sees, God knows. All of those are ways to honor your parents. Now, some of us might be thinking, you know what? My parents couldn't care less about that kind of thing. I don't think so. I'm telling you, deep within the heart of every parent, whether they can articulate it or not, is a longing for that day when their son or daughter comes around the corner and says, you were a good dad. You were a good mom. You sacrificed for me. You loved me. You didn't do everything perfectly. But I am so grateful that God gave you to me as my parent. How many parents never hear those words? God wants it said. Honor your father and mother. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. God, I know that for some people, today's message is a really hard topic. Their parents have hurt them so deeply that to think of honoring their mother and father is almost unthinkable. God, I pray right now for healing. I pray for comfort. I pray for a freedom from the past that might still be entangling our life and our relationships today. God, I pray for some, if possible, for reconciliation and peace. And God, I pray for every parent here. God, we look forward to that day when our son, our daughter, comes around that corner and says, thank you. I love you. You're a good dad. You're a good mom. It's going to be a great day, God. And so, Lord, I just ask that as we're tired and weary that you would give us perseverance and strength to parent our kids well, to keep the end in mind. And God, I pray right now that all of us would honor our parents, that we would honor our father and mother. We thank you for your word, God, which speaks into our lives, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great day, everybody.